Hi, everybody. This is John here. This is Paul. George. And Ringo. And we're very happy to be on your program once again. Hi, this is Steve Marinucci, and welcome to another Beatles News Briefs. This is a special tribute to Peter Tork. In 2013, I interviewed Peter, and, cl- and clips from the interview are featured in this show. I've never played them anywhere before, so you'll hear them for the first time. Candy Leonard, the author of Beatleness, and myself talk about Peter Tork, the Monkees, and the Beatles. This was recorded the day of Peter's passing. Yes, it was kind of a sad uh, piece of news today about Peter Tork. Yeah, as I'm thumbing through my phone just after I woke up, I see the uh, Washington Post story about Peter Tork, and I was, and I almost dropped my phone. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, there was something about it that was very sort of shocking and sad. And I've, you know, I've been thinking about him all day and, and my, you know, there's something like he was such a big part of my childhood for, you know, for this, you know, it wasn't a huge period of time, but it was very intense while mm-hmm. he was in my life in that way. Well, and- let me let me say first that there were there were clues being uh, although they were they weren't really you know large clues but there were indications that something was happening right that he was sick right and the first indication was that he only did the one song for the christmas album and the second was that he wasn't touring with mickey and mike and i remember seeing speculation as there is you know with these kind of things people were speculating well why isn't he why isn't he right. touring why you know is there a rift and and then both mickey and mike as i saw in a couple of the stories today came out and indicated that he was having uh, he was having private time and so there was kind of there was kind of a hint there and and but i don't think anybody really paid close attention to it right. I, I think that you know if you look at the coverage that this that his death got today mm-hmm. and all the articles and commentary you know i think that you know those of us who watch it closely might have known he was sick and that he wasn't touring but you know for most people who grew up with the monkeys and you know they might not have thought about peter torkin you know decades and decades but yet there's something very powerful about his his young face, you know, and his, right. the, the, he's got an innocence and a purity about him. He was kind of, he was kind of the hippie of the group. Even. He was really a hippie through and through. I mean, even in mm-hmm. their, um, you know, the promotional literature for the show, he, he espouses this kind of, you know, our generation's going to take over the world and love and peace and, and authenticity and, and love and, and, and of course, that song on headquarters for Pete's sake, which is really a, you know, it, it's so him, but it's also, you know, the ethos of the moment. They, they became real. You know, it's like it's like they turned into real boys. <laughs> right. And, and, as I, and, and as I said at one point this afternoon, the more uh, the longer they don't get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the more ridiculous the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame looks. But well, the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing is such a sham. I mean, it's a it's a little boys club. Are, it is. You, are you cool enough to be in my club? 
Right. And the powers that be over there, for whatever reasons, don't see the monkeys as cool enough to be in their club. Right, but they were extremely important. You know, when the Beatles started um, getting into the psychedelic sound and, and you know, getting quote unquote weird, um, many young fans, um, you know, just got really into the monkeys because the monkeys captured, you know, the early Beatle mop top fun sort of thing. But they were also by, you know, 66, 67, certainly 68, you know, they, that same kind of countercultural vibe that the Beatles were putting out. Um, even if fans start, some of them start putting the Beatles on the back burner, they were still getting this kind of, you know, our generation versus the old people sort of vibe right. that, that was so pervasive in those days. I mean, the monkeys were hugely important. It was, it was second generation Beatlemania really what is what it was. You know, I mean, the, the, those of us that were old enough to to remember the Sullivan show in 64, this was kind of the second wave, kind of, uh, I think. You, you, you agree? Well, I mean, it was certainly a kind of, I mean, that was the intent certainly was to create, you know, that excitement around it. And I mean, there was some of that, certainly. But, you know, I think, I mean, I think at the time they were so good and the show was so well done and so, you know, it had such great energy and, and it was so cool, you know, and it was, and, and so I, I think that it, it did excite people in, you know, us in the way that, that in some ways in the way the Beatles did, it certainly captured, you know, that sort of more, you know, by then the Beatles were, you know, seen as, you know, they were going in directions that not all the fans were ready to go. Mm -hmm. And so the monkeys were there to fill that. But yeah, they were certainly a, a, uh, you know, a, a knockoff. I mean, you know, the, the pre well, and they had, Right. And they had, and they had four different personalities. Just like yeah. they, they had the British guy, which, of right. course, which, which you had to have. You had to have the British guy. They had the 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 intellectual guy, which was Nesmith. They mm -hmm. had the kooky guy, which was Dolans, and they had the kind of the uh, well, I mean the comic. All right, let's call him the comic for want of a better term. Here's Peter talking about auditioning for the monkeys. You got to the show through. Well, I I I, I won't truncate the story if if i'm wrong but you got it through it through steven stills correct that's right yeah that's right steve said go, I, I go try out for this thing i said what about you he said they, they told me my hair and teeth were, were wrong they weren't telegenic and did i know and this is still steve talking did i know anybody who looked like me whose hair and teeth were better and i thought of you so you go in and try out poor <laughs> steve had to settle for uh buffalo springfield and csny he's never forgotten right. Picking him up or cutting him away. Now you said Dolan's was the goofy guy. Is that what you said? Yeah, Dolan's was kind yeah. of the goofy, the goofy guy. I think but... that Peter was also. You know, I was, I was thinking about this today about their four personalities, and they, they, it really did work very well. But I would describe Peter as kind of goofy, also in a kind of uh, childlike sort of way. I don't know. Yeah. They made him. They, but they made him like kind of like a. Curly of the Three Stooges. Here's Peter talking about his acting and how he approached it on the series. 
you know, one of the things that I was watching one of the episodes this morning, um, I was watching the one where you were, where at the beginning of the second season, where you guys were in the in the Mexican village, and you played kind of you played a comic foil, and that really wasn't that easy to do, at least the way I was looking at it, what you were doing, because you know everybody was trying to be a little more serious, and you were trying to the, be the the real funny guy. What did you learn about acting from the show? Mostly the improv classes that Jim Frawley gave us before the show began running. Uh, you know, the, the thing that nobody knows about acting for television, uh, it's one thing to act, and it's another thing that you, you know, when you're acting on stage, if you're supposed to be standing up near the, le- the stage left end of the couch, you stand somewhere near the late, stage left end of the couch. If you're mm-hmm. doing this for television, you've got a little mark, and you better hit it within an inch, or you'll be out of focus and your lighting will be wrong. And you don't know this when you get into it. So the, the technical business of, of hitting your mark, and also if you're in the crowd, you, have, you get one light that's for you particularly. You have to see it without looking for it. And you have to see mm-hmm. the camera without looking for it. And you have to hit your line without looking for it and say your lines without looking like you're remembering your lines. So all of that, that, that was, a, that was a, a skill that I developed. Just, you just developed that in time over the, over the years. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, I, I, you know, I think people don't realize that and it, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't as easy as, I mean, it wasn't as simple as everybody kind of thinks it, it may think it was. Um, but well, yeah, you did. Is. I mean, the whole business of art is, is make it look easy when it isn't, right? I mean, you practice things, you practice the hard stuff till it becomes second nature and then you're left free to do the work. That's what it comes down to. What a great analysis that was of acting. That he just gave. I don't want to overanalyze, though. I no. mean, it, it's fun for what it was. I mean, the monkeys were fun, and they still are. And the and the the wonderful thing about the monkeys that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame hasn't recognized yet is the music transcended everything they did, and that's the you know that's the the good part. What but do you mean? Well, the 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 music stands up. I mean, if you yeah. see, if you if you go see them. For example, that Mike and Mickey show, which I heartily, anybody that hasn't seen it yet and is thinking about going to see it, I heartily, heartily recommend it because it's 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 a it's just a music show, mm-hmm. and that's and there there's no there's not a lot of fooling around. They don't do a lot of jokes, mm-hmm. you know. They they play, and yeah. that's that's exactly, you know that and that shows the music for what it is, and that's the way it should be, and that's what they should be recognized for. And it was funny that I saw the uh, Monkeys Trio shows, three types. I saw one with Davey on that tour before Davey passed. And then I saw two with Peter, uh, one in uh, uh, Cupertino, California, and one in Napa, Napa, California. And there were some, you know, joking around. They did these little things, and they also did a Davy tribute, and you know, which is fine, you know. But they also they played off the, uh, you know, the show a little bit, you know, being that the show was a, a comedy show, a comedy mm-hmm. sitcom. Yeah. But the Mike and Mickey show doesn't do that. It's a straight, very serious, pretty, fairly serious musical show, mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 so nice. It really. And do they do mon- They do all the big monkeys hits. Oh or? yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. They do all I the. Mean, they had the- some great songs, you know. I I think that they, you know, they were surrounded by such talent 
you know, and then they, you know, almost as if through osmosis, you know, they, they became really good songwriters and uh, musicians and, uh, perform, you know, performers, you know, they had charisma, stage presence, and it really all came together in a, in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no, there's no question about it. They had, I mean, they, they were put together for that reason, but it worked what what they did worked. I mean, you had four very talented guys. Yeah. Uh, very talented um, for different reasons. And none reasons. of them knew each other before, right? They were they were strangers, right? Pretty sure that's true. I uh, think I'm they sure were. If, yeah. I, I think if somebody if somebody knows that uh, knows otherwise, they'll tell us. But I'm pretty sure that they didn't. I mean, the funny thing was we all saw Davy the same night we saw the Beatles right. and it's all of them. Right. That that's funny. But and right. we all knew and those of us that had known um had had seen that show very likely also watched Circus Boy. I did. I, I, I didn't watch Circus Boy, but I know that he, Dolan's was in a Right. Uh. Well I, I did, so I I knew of that. Now I didn't know Nesmith's music at all and I didn't know Peter Tork's music at all. So they were you know, they were new to me. But it, it they, they all fit very you know they fit very well and the yeah. uh, you know they did they were they were great and they like I, I said, was obsessed with Davy Jones you know in like sixty six sixty seven I mean I just you know I mean my, I still loved the Beatles and I was listening to Donovan I had very eclectic but I yeah I was a big Davy Jones fan but you know it's funny when when did Davy die like three four years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember feeling sad about it, but I'm feeling di- a different kind of sadness about Peter, that there's something more like, I don't know, like he, he defined them somehow more than Davies. I, I don't know. I, I can't really articulate it, but my, I'm, I'm, I feel like with Peter, there's something, there's some kind of different kind of loss. I don't know why. Well, I think part of it is is the same thing that you and I felt when George passed because half of the group is gone. And I think in, in, in this particular case, well, in both cases with Davy passing and with Peter passing, it was, you know, it was very sudden and, and there wasn't any warn real warning. Um, with George, we had a, with George, we had a warning with John, we did not. And I just realized I'm looking at my phone for all my, the albums I have, I actually did see them a third time. I saw them when they did the, around the time that uh, that was then, this is now came out. Mm-hmm. And that was a great, that was a great tour. That was a wonderful tour. I remember that very well. In fact, I remember, uh, yeah, it was, fant- that was the one that uh, I believe Gary Puckett opened up for them. And, oh, and uh, the grassroots were on the bill too. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So that was last uh, from the past. Last from the past, right? So, uh, and, and actually, if you think about it, that kind of has a link to Ringo Starr and the All Star Band because they used a lot of the same musicians for each act. Mm, and yeah. and when Ringo, when when the All Star Band started, that was kind of the thing with Ringo too, as I re, as I recall, that. There were other acts. I, I kind of seem to think there were other acts on the on the bill, and some of the other acts used the same. Or either that, or it was or it was all David Fishoff. It may have been all David Fishoff because that was David Fishoff's uh, doing on that. But in any event, 
but yeah, it's it was it was um, that was a great tour, and and I remember actually going to that show. It was at Marriott's Great America in Santa Clara, California, and when the monkeys came out, everybody stood on the on their chairs the whole show. Mm. On the or on, I should say on benches because we were all sitting on benches. What year was this? God, I don't remember now. I remember there was a an album that came out 1986, so that's when that's when I first saw them. So, and that was yeah, it was a great show too. But anyway, I can imagine they must have been a lot of. It would have been you know fun to see them. I mean, they're they're all about fun, you know. I mean, that was the other similarity with the Beatles. There was just this air of you know aura of fun around them all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And but even more so because I mean that's where. You know the monkeys were a sitcom, and they and they drive and they drove off of that, and and you know so I yeah, mean it's very so, sophisticated that whole thing the way it was edited and filmed and oh know. they did they followed they followed the the Hard Day's Night script with the with the uh, you know they they took a lot of influence from Hard Day's Night right and it, but it had the color and the fashion was more reminded it was kind of like help i thought in a way you know because oh, yeah, yeah, they kind of they, um you know it had that sort of mod color popping uh weird sort of you know didn't they didn't the monkeys also do that thing like in help where they put the graphics on the screen like comic booky and you know what i mean trying to, rem- trying to remember i mean later it was a series as it as you know in the later season I, I think uh, after the first season, I think it did, but I'm not in the first season was a pretty straight sitcom. Yeah, yeah. it would be interesting to watch some of them now. I should, I didn't do that today. I have the I have the series. And I, did, I did. Yeah, I do. Wow. And, and uh, I didn't I didn't watch them today. I'm How sorry. many episodes were there? You would ask me that question. Sorry. I don't well, I don't the typical I, TV season in those days. Wasn't it like. 30 something and something, then it was something like something something like that yeah and then, so two years would have been like maybe 70 ish or something like that i can i can i can do a look up while we're sitting here and talking yeah. i don't, yeah, I don't... It's really i mean it was a very special thing the monkeys you know they got they were not taken seriously it doesn't surprise me getting back to the rock and roll hall of fame but 50, i don't know people, 58, you know, 58 like, episodes according 50, to i am that's all wow According to IMDb, and that doesn't count. I don't know if that counts the special. There was the the uh, the special they put out, and obviously that wouldn't count Head, the movie, which was which was. uh, I mean, you could do a a whole show on that alone. I mean, that was an amazing amazing movie, and I mean, it was it was weird. It was, you know, them kind of taking in in a in a establishment. Um, slap at the at the establishment and mm-hmm. uh, yeah you know but in any event they it was they were they'll probably you know in in future years they'll probably be appreciated even more I mean they already are I know. hope so I mean I don't I don't know about I mean I'm not I, I won't I wouldn't say that with certainty because well I don't know I just I'm not sure I'm not sure I guess it's up to people like us to make sure that they're given their due right since we write and talk about this and seem to have a platform you know so yeah I mean 
they should be recognized for their for on lots of reasons you know it's, it's, i'm looking at uh i did an interview with peter in 2013 right and i'm looking at the I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the transcript of it but i asked him i said does the monkey's music seem to be getting more recognition for you guys does the monkey's music seem to be getting more recognition now for you i'm sorry and you said, it, does it seem what does it seem to be getting more recognition for you guys now, for you now um, than it has I in the past? Say. I, I couldn't say. I don't have my finger on the pulse of these things. I, um, you know, I, when the this last couple of tours that we did, uh, uh, 011, three of us with Davey, and uh, 012, three of us with Mike, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know that the people who come are people who are enamored of the music and who know it very well. So that if we do very obscure tunes, they're sort of with us all the way, uh, for the most mm-hmm. part, which is which is great. Um, um, and uh, uh, but I can't say whether the the public at large has a a, um, a more appreciation. If anything, I would have to say less, just because people's memories, um, you know, the, the the public memory isn't all that long, and we're talking about a long time. So that the fans are the only ones who remember us terribly well. Kids, you know, they're they're interested in kids music. You know, the Justin Bieber's fans are not paying a heck of a lot of attention to monkeys music. <laughs> that's as it should be. You know, that's how it goes. Remember, too, this is you know 2013, and it seems like a kind of a pessimistic viewpoint that he's saying, but it's also somewhat realistic, and it's a, I mean, it's, it's honest. I mean, he's being right, and he also strikes me as somebody who would have been at peace with that. Speaking of, I mean, I also. As I as I did with because I had the I had the chance to interview all four monkeys and I all I asked all of them about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame which you you know have to do and given, what did they say they all don't care I mean they all for you know right. one so reason or another they they brush they brush it off and I think part of that my personally I think part of that is you know defensive because they don't want to say oh God this is terrible you know well, it's crushing. Yeah. You don't want to say, you don't want to say that, and, and but on the other hand, it also brings to light what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame really is. Right. Yeah. We, and so. Yeah, like we said earlier. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I mean, it is important because it has a certain cachet and a certain, um, you know, it legitimizes you, I suppose, uh, you know, in some way. But but ultimately, you know, it. it I don't know. I mean. Yes, they should be in there. <laughs> and they may genuinely not care, but, or who knows, but I think they certainly should be in there. Are, are there people who are lobbying for them? Oh, yeah. There are, there are, uh, well, I mean, there are fan organizations. There have been since, you know, forever. Whether or not somebody else is lobbying for them or. Can, well, can... the other problem is not only is the, you know, the, that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame committee, you know, kind of an old boys club, but that group is probably also getting younger. So if people in our generation didn't think they were worthy and we know more and have more kind of an insight into their cultural significance, then younger people, I think, would be less like, maybe not. Well, I think I, I think something will happen. I, I, I don't know if this will have anything to do with that, but I think it seems like the monkeys are getting a lot more i think they're getting a lot more recognition their music Maybe. means a lot more and i mean the way they've been touring it's it's all i think part of to make right, but who's going to these shows like are there 
you know, like, for example, at a McCartney show, you'd see a whole spectrum of, of age. Is that the case? You know, are, are the 20 and 30 somethings going to see the monkey shows? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I when I saw I saw I saw Mike and Mickey, I think it was October. And it seemed to me there were there was a good cross section of fans. Not yes. obviously not like not like the McCartney shows because McCartney shows are in a lot bigger venues. Right. There are still there are still a lot of people going to see going to see those shows. Right. So that it was it was you know, it was interesting. You know, I'm just thinking about, you know, how they'll be, you know, and people do histories and cultural histories and stuff. You know, I've read a lot of books about that era, about the music and pop culture of that era, you know, which I, I've been reading for years. And I've just recently for a big piece of writing I did a couple that I finished a couple of months ago, I was also reading a lot of stuff. And, you know, they're, they're just not, and I'm, as I'm thinking about it, they're really not mentioned very often. No, that's and that's really sad. Hopefully, that's going to change. About Peter dying, that just I don't know. I I, I associate him so much with like my, like a certain like period of my childhood when I you know and and there's I don't know maybe it just like makes me more aware of my own mortality somehow. I, I don't know. Yeah, I I saw a couple of comments about that today. A couple because of there's something so pure. In other words, like you know. I, I mean, I, I, I've seen pictures of him between then and now, obviously, but like you picture Peter Tork and he's got that angelic little hippie boy face, you mm -hmm. know, and suddenly he's dying, you know, he's dead. And it's just, it's weird. There's, there's something about it that's, that's, it's sort of sad and disorienting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely. You know, but anyway, um, one other thing I was going to mention about my interview with Peter, um, I asked him for a Beatle anecdote, and he did not surprisingly talk about working with George Harrison on Wonderwall, which, by the way, that track, I, post, I posted that track on uh, the Beatles News and Information page today, and it's amazing. It's amazing what he did. If you hear Peter's, you can hear Peter's banjo in there. It's it's just an amazing track. But anyway, he he also he he, uh, I found a quote where he talked about first uh, why he how he'd met George. He said I'd met George when he was visiting Cass Elliott in Los Angeles, and I was dating Cass's sister Leia, which is mm. inter interesting. He said later the monkeys met the Beatles in England, and he invited me to his house. He played the sitar and said, "I'm working on a soundtrack album. I'd love to have you play a little banjo." So it, he said, uh, it says, Harrison borrowed McCartney's five-string banjo for the session, quote, which Paul couldn't play, at least conventionally, because the folk five-string banjo couldn't be strung in reverse order for left-handers. It must be custom-made. I played for 45 minutes, George said, thanks very much, and we went our separate ways. Interesting. But anyway, I, th th I that's just a quote about him playing on the Wonderwall soundtrack. But in any event, um, I asked I asked him for a Beatle anecdote, and like I said, he didn't talk about Wonderwall. What he did talk about was the Pizza Hut commercial, which you, if you've seen it, it's on YouTube. Ringo, Davey, Peter, and and Mickey doing a Pizza Hut commercial. I do it in a second. The fans will dig it. They've waited long enough. I've just got to get the other lads to agree. I want back to the seventies or eighties. Something like that, yeah. And I won't. It, it, if you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. But I, it, it, people should people should look it up. It's funny. It's hilarious. Okay. Anyway, but here's what he here's what he said. 
you have any anecdotes about them that you could say? Well, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you one of my favorites is <laughs> post-Beatles. Post uh, Mickey Davy and I did a commercial with Ringo Starr. Oh, yes. It was a pizza, a pizza Hut commercial, I think. Right. Ringo goes around saying, uh, it's time I'll tell the lads, it's time to eat your pizza crust first. Mm-hmm. So they put cheese in the crust for a little while. That was their riff. And right. the monkeys come up and he, says, he looks, at the, looks at the audience as wrong lads. And, hey, Ringo, it's like pretty good, pretty good stuff, Ringo. How you doing, pal? <laughs> and it's pretty wacko. And we were shooting the, the commercial. And one section, Ringo's sitting at his drums, and we're just there working on the shot. The cameraman's doing some talking with the director. And we're just standing there. And Ringo says something droll. And I said, Ringo, you're just a musician. We're the comedians. We'll do the humor. Ringo said, I've been funny. People have laughed at me jokes. <laughs> yeah, he's, that, that, that's, that's typical. Um, he's very droll. He is actually, uh, he's, he's grand. I've, uh, I've, uh, we've, we've had occasion for our paths to cross on a couple of occasions. And uh, he's always, when I met them all at the first occasion, John and Paul and George met Mickey and me and I, I think one of the others of us, I can't remember for sure. And Ringo wasn't there. And uh, George, the next day, took me to Ringo's house. And uh, uh, and, I, and I will tell you that I think of the four of them, Ringo has and remains the one with the least agenda. He just, you know, he, he deals with his life as he finds it. He doesn't have a, a, an idea of what's supposed to be or what who he's supposed to be or any of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. The other three do, did, to, to a much greater extent anyway. Ringo's always been the most human as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Anyway, that's, and, that's my story. That's the best story I got for the moment. And here's the clip we mentioned earlier in the show where Peter talks about the monkeys and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I should ask about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How do you feel about that? And you think it'll, it'll happen? A Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's a funny thing. At one level, it's just none of my business. You know, it's got nothing to do with me. Uh, Mm -hmm. If they want it, they want it. If they don't want it, they don't want it. At another level, I think, um, well, uh, the the reason that we're not in there is because Mm -hmm. one man doesn't think the monkeys deserve it. He doesn't think the monkeys deserve anything. And that's Mm -hmm. Scott Winner who thinks that the monkeys are a blot on the face of God. God's temple is what he thinks the monkeys are. And as long as he thinks that, we are we're not getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now I actually as a you know, if I were I think that I that I can take this from the outside, uh, and that is if I were being objected that the monkeys deserve a vote. We can't get a vote because he won't even allow it to go to the board of directors for a vote. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the monkeys deserve a vote. I'll tell you what my opinion is as a member of the monkeys. If there was a Hall of Fame for uh, commercial TV, made-for-TV pop groups who made themselves over into an actual ongoing uh, pop act group, we'd be the only ones in it. <laughs> right, right. So that's enough. And, you know, ultimately, Steve, it, it's, it comes down to this. Um it doesn't change us one way or the other. We're not going. It's not going to make us better or worse if we get in or if we don't get in. So that's it. That's our okay. little tribute. That's well, our little tribute to Peter Torek. Yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. Peter. We'll we thank you for the music. Absolutely. Absolutely, and we'll be back again. Who knows when? And I will. And 
we'll uh, check the show out on uh, if you don't subscribe to the show, subscribe. Uh, check it out on Podbean or iTunes or or YouTube or Google Play or wherever wherever you get your podcasts. Buy our books. <laughs> Meet a monkey, Davy Jones. Mine. That's my little ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And Candy's is Beatleness. What's it? Give us the full title, Candy. Beatleness: How the Beatles and Their Fans Remade the World. Yep. And available on Amazon. And if you're going to buy it on Amazon, buy the paperback. Um, but if you want to read it and you don't want to buy it, you you can probably get it from your library. It's also available on Kindle, Kindle and Nook too. Kindle, it's and it's also an audio book. And I also um, give the monkeys their due. I think in my I book. was just gonna so. I was just gonna ask you that. <laughs> what do you What do you say about the monkeys in the book? I do talk about them. Well, you know that whole analysis I do about the Beetle Break, where but I also, you know, I talk about how they their origin and how they, you know, I mean, again I'm talking from the fan perspective and how, you know the, how they filled that void and you know it's, so much of what we discussed how they became a real band and and became important uh, as cultural uh, you know they were agents of change in the in very much the same way the Beatles were. For a shorter period of time, and to and in many ways to a slightly skewed younger demographic, but they were hugely important, and so that's what I talk about in the book. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. There you have it. So go buy our books, and we will see you soon. We hope so. For Candy Leonard, thank you, Candy. Thank you, Steve. And this is Steve Marinucci saying, "Be seeing you." that one market fab